Hello, everybody. And as promised, we have got Craig Morris from Spartan Clothing with us on Switch Radio. Hello, Craig. Hi, Sophie. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Good. Could you just let the listeners know who you are and what it is that you do, please? Yeah, I'm from Spartan Clothing. We've um, invented the wrong word, but we've, we've come up with a range of, of normal clothes and garments made from a fabric that is stab and slash resistant to hopefully try and save some lives out there um, from these young people on the streets. Yeah, wonderful. So it's stab-resistant clothing, not actually stab-proof. Nothing is stab-proof, Sophie. This, this is a common, common, common mistake that people make. Even a stab vest, a level two stab vest, is not stab-proof. It allows for a 20 millimeter penetration of a blade. That is the regulation that allows for you, for you to go through. So from talking to the kids on the street, I say kids, I say young people on the street that actually carry knives because we've been out and thrown our ambassadors in the, in, in the, in the business. Yeah. We've met these kids. Yeah. So me, an overweight 50-year-old um, businessman who's doing this to try and help, goes and talks to a young person on the street corner yeah. who's carrying a knife. Um, yeah. And I do that through my ambassadors who's broker all this stuff so I can actually find out what's going on. And you know what? These kids are dying to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, they do. They like to open up, don't they? Because no one's ever spoken to them before. Yeah. You know, it's astonishing that if you engage with, with one of these younger people on the street, they've only ever felt threatened or they've only felt let down by society. And you actually take the time to talk to them as a human being. You want to see what happens. Yeah. It's, it's incredible, which is why I do it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, you know, this entire thing starts, that it starts from, from an illusion of safety. 90% of our research subjects tell us they carry a knife to feel safe because yeah. Dave around the corner in the postcode war He's got one. Um, yeah. And if he sees you, the only defense against snipers is another knife. Yeah, of course. That's, that's complete stupidity, but it makes crazy logic. Yeah, yeah. And it's, so, it's, it's a lot of it's postcode war, isn't it? You know, they can't go into a certain area without carrying a knife on them, otherwise they feel vulnerable and feel threatened. Social media has been a huge driver for this, Sophie, because what's happened with social media is it gives you the chance to insult somebody without being in their face. In the old days, you insulted somebody, it was gypsy rules. You have a bit of a fisticuff, you shake hands afterwards, man's a man, and you walk away. Yeah, yeah. Now I can insult somebody from 200 miles away in the worst possible way and make it public, which makes it 10 times worse. Mm. He can then fester on that subject, and one of his homies sees me walk, walk around the corner, then he's got a jab me because that's, yeah. that's the law. That's, yeah. There was a stabbing that I knew of local to me, and it happened over Facebook. There was two lads arguing over Facebook, and they said, let's meet up at the local park. And very, very sadly, the one lad lost his life at the age of 15 years old. And I thought just from Facebook, I know you can't solely blame the social media, but if I didn't have an argument on Facebook, it wouldn't have happened. Well, th- th- this is the problem, you see, because what, what you've got is you've got th- these, these are the general things that these kids are carrying on the streets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah depending on who they are. Then, then kitchen knives that they can grab out. In fact, 50% of knife crime is committed with kitchen knives because, you know, a, a knife is a knife and these things are so dangerous. Yeah. So what you've got is that this kid on the street gets this and, and this is his method of settling a score. So this is beef. He's not going to have to kill somebody. Mm. Yeah. So this kid is generally comes from a, a broken family, not a lot of father figures around, not a lot of mental influence. So this, this kid's lost. So he gravitates not towards a gang, but a group of people, his yeah. peers. Yeah. And he does that because that's a natural tribal instinct for us humans to do that. And it's not a colour thing in any way, shape or form because more knife crime is committed by white people than there is black people. Yeah. So clear that straight away. Yeah. So I don't accept any colour conversations, any, anything like no. that. No, there's definitely a disproportion against racial, you know, a sort of the crimes towards black people, especially, you know, there is a racial stereotype out there. And I just think stop and search, for example, it's proven that, that black people are stop and search more than white people. It's horrific. I, I, I did a, um, a workshop with a, with a group of young people in um, 11 o'clock at night in a barbershop in South End. Yeah. Local barbershop is, is where these guys, that's what becomes a community centre. Yeah. 11 o'clock at night, plate glass window, um, high street. I'm there with a Bowie knife and I've got six young kids like, in a line against me. And I said, this, if anyone rings the police right now, this is going to be brilliant. They're going to say, there's a big fat white guy holding a, a, a barbershop yeah. kids in it. Yeah. yeah. Not right. just come and rugby tackled you. Yeah, but I said, yeah. I said to them, the problem is if I give one of you this knife and a white guy sees me in here with you with this knife, there'll be a SWAT team through that door in 30 seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, that is exactly what's wrong. That, that's part of the reason why socially and culturally some of these young people are switched off because that is actually how they're treated. That's just a fact. Yeah. You know, so profiling does go on. Fact. Yeah, fact. Institutional yeah. racism throughout the authorities. Fact. You talk to a police officer who is non-white. And confidentially, that police officer will swear to you the institutional racism that goes throughout the police force. I've seen it myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's no wonder that these young, colour, black, Asian, Asian people who are being pulled off to one side have a, have a bit of an issue with society. And I get it. I've seen it myself. Yeah. Because I can stand there and I can go out with a knife like this and do demonstrations. Then the police will talk to me, not question me. Mm. If I was coloured. That definitely, yeah. 
you know, but yeah. you've only got to look at the Black Lives Matter thing in America. I was just about to say, could you imagine? I mean, they don't even have to carry weapons over there before they're getting shot in the back. No, it's, it's, the same, it's the same conversation. So what you've got is these underprivileged young people gravitating towards a group to feel safe. And to become part of that group, of course, they've got social expectations to be had on them. So they're, they're, they're part of a group, so they've got to look after their brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. Facebook beef, so Dave around the corner has beef against this guy's sister on Facebook, calls her a bit of a something else. Yeah. So in order to settle a score with Dave, he's got his little thing in his pocket, and he sees Dave, and he's going to jab him. Yeah. And that's not a murder thing. That, that's just an acceptable norm, horrible norm in today's society. Yeah. But that's his way of settling beef. This is the, yes, this is the thing with law. It's kind of like, you know, murder is about the intention, isn't it? So to get someone done for murder, it's the intention. Where a lot of these young people don't have the intention to do that. There, there, there is, I, I would argue that 90% of knife crime is not committed for murder. Um, there's a hardcore where people do go out to commit harm. Nothing you can do with them. But I can tell you the secret. And, and the, the secret is that that is all you need to commit a fatal wound. So what you've got, the problem you've got, Sophie, is if you look at medical research from neck, so it's a crotch. Mm. Anywhere in that area there is vital organs. Yeah. Now you only need a penetration to go through to catch a heart wall, um, an artery, a vein, the aorta, a vital organ. Mm. You do that um, and you get it seriously, you bleed out in three to five minutes. The average time for an ambulance to get into you, the quickest time these days is about 15. 10 minutes, yeah. So that little jab that you've just done there on the guy's side, you've gone through, you've clipped his kidney or his spleen or his liver. Yeah. You've no idea, but that kid's dead in five minutes and you've moved on, you're around the corner. I've just, I've got a beef, I've solved it. Got my street credit, my homies will be able to look after me. And it happens oh so often, doesn't it? I can think of many situations where this has happened, especially recently. This is this is, this is is factual. So, and what that kid doesn't realise, if I show you, so this is a, a piece of foam I use for demonstrations. Yeah. So I just very, very gently, just go like that. Just very gently. Mm. That is a death blow. And that's what I tell these kids that I work with. That's a death blow. I've just committed murder. Yeah. Just in that one. And it's just a simple, just a simple hand movement. Oh, it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Mm. So that, so if you look at me here, so that is roughly, I don't know, 50 millimetres, two inches. Yeah, yeah. That penetrates there. That is straight from my altar, it's straight from my liver. It's straight from my kidneys. It's into my heart. It's into my lungs. Mm. And the trouble is, from there to there, Unless you can get them on an operating table within three to five minutes, they are dead. They are. And there's cases where the adrenaline's pumping as well, isn't it? So if they're running around, the, the blood is pumping a lot quicker out of them. Well, the, well, this is it. That kid's walking away and they have no idea. I mean, you, you, you see, if you do some research, you see three or four cases where, where the guy's walking around and all of a sudden he drops over and he's dead on the floor because he's bled out internally. And this is yeah. the biggest worry. I, you get cut on the arm, I can tourniquet. You get cut yeah. on the leg and it, it's a big artery, you can tourniquet. You've got about an hour of grace to, to get in the ambulance to get on a slab and they can fix you. But I've had um, Kapap and Krav Maga experts in close combat and self-defense, one guy especially trains Israeli military, come and talk about actually how to handle knives. And do you know what this guy says? This is a 25-year veteran. Yeah. And I said to him, what's the best defense? I said, what, what do you do if somebody, you, what would you do if somebody falls out? He said, first thing I do is identify an exit and second thing I do is I run. Yeah, yeah. He says, no, really, but what would you do? He said, I run. He said, these you things are dangerous. He said, I tell everybody, don't, you know, Bruce Lee, forget the entire thing. Run, get away and shout fire. Don't shout pump because no one looks for help. Shout fire yeah. and run. Mm. Run as fast as you can. Don't stop. And I think a lot of people run the opposite way, don't they, these days? They run straight into it. Do you know what I mean? Rather than running away because of the street cred and having to save face and not wanting to well, look like a pussy, they run straight into it. Well, you, you, you just hit on the, the next stage of this. So you've got little Dave, who's on the first rung of the ladder with his group. Yeah. If little Davo doesn't use this, then he's a coward, which means he's a pussy, which is worse than, than, than actually going to prison. Yeah. Because to be a pussy on the street, are you then a bitch? Yeah. And I'm it's using whole here, but, yeah. but this is truth. This is the actual yeah. truth. So you are ostracized and you are then a cowardly piece of crap who's not worth anything to anybody because you didn't do what your job. You, you need to look after me so you're not my brother anymore. Mm. So you've got ostracization going on amongst these kids that all they want to do is they want safety in numbers. Safety and they want to fit in, yeah. So you can, you can, you can see the cataclysmic snowball that's gathering here. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it will always just start from little things like maybe the songs, the friends pressuring them, just a little bit of beef. It's, as you say, they won't just go around and have a one-on-one -on -one fight with them. It will just be, I'll just do as a knife. 
Well, well this is it. And a few, a few weeks ago in Nottingham, there was an England up and coming music um, producer, um, a young coloured lad, um, and he was from St. Anne's. And he was outside McDonald's two days earlier, or he was outside a shopping centre, 1 pm. Yeah. He jabbed and he died on the street. Well, die like 1 pm in the afternoon. Outside a shopping centre, Victoria Centre in Nottingham. Two days earlier, somebody from Radford got jabbed in McDonald's. He survived, but of course, beef goes over. This guy's guy from St. Anne's, postcode ward. Yeah. Nothing to do with any, any groups of anything. This kid is a real, you know, up and coming talent. And he's now dead. Just and from something probably so that started something so minor as well. Nothing that he had anything to do with. He was just in the wrong place at the wrong oh, time. Okay. So that kid's from St. Anne's. He's really, he's with them guys. Wrong person, wrong place. It's like a 17-year-old girl a couple of years ago in London sat on a park bench Friday night. Mm. Mistaken identity. I forget her name. But she's one of the driving forces that made me look at this because somebody just jammed her in the back. Mistaken identity. She never went home. She just went probably just for a walk in the park as well. Just sat there with her friends. Just, just you know, sat, sat on a park bench. That's right. disgusting, that is. That is absolutely disgusting. Well, this, this, this is the concept behind the entire thing. So I start getting my, you know, product design engineering heading going, well, what's the other answer to a knife? And the other answer to a knife is to make a knife irrelevant. Yeah. Because a knife only works if, it's, if, it, if it can do damage. So how do you stop a knife doing damage? Turns out really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. There's got to be something on the market that surely to God in this eight day and age, there's got to be something that you, you can just, you know, proper. And it turns out there isn't for a number of technical reasons. Mm. Um, so because I've got a business in China, I have the ability to have my Chinese staff interface with manufacturing engineers, scientists, material experts. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because you ask the question of factory in China, the answer is either yes or no. Yeah. Can I make that material stab proof? No. So you're like, okay, so ask him why I can't make it stab proof and what I need to do to make that point not go through it. That's a mm. different question, you see. But it's also a different context in Chinese because they've got to explain to the guy why he should answer it. Yeah. So after a year of doing this and testing hundreds of, of different materials, we came across a fabric mix that actually it's not stab proof, nothing is. Yeah. It's stab resistant as much as you can make it using today's technology. But it's a lifesaver because, of course, if you can stop that penetration from vital organs, mm. you can save a life. So our, our job is to get people home. It's, this is not Nirvana. No roasting to goggles. Mm. You're not, you're not going to go out and stand there and go and come and stab me. It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Mm. One of these things, there's risk in every single part of the equation. That's what everyone's got to realise. Risk and compromise. There's no perfect answer. Mm. So did you ever find out why you can't get stab proof? Did you ever get the answer? I know, I, know, I know exactly why, because the, the technology doesn't exist to make it practical. Okay. The only way you can get close to stab proof is by using armoured bulletproof type vests. Yeah, yeah. Which are imperfect because they don't move. They slightly mm. two paving slabs front and back. Mm. You've got gaps around your arms. So the, the reason the police started wearing black shirts instead of white shirts was because when they put a stab vest on, the white was the target for the person to stab them. Oh, okay then, yeah. yeah. You know, so they're good, but they're imperfect. Everything's imperfect. And you can't really see like, the youth of today walking around wearing them big armoured vests, can you? They just, they don't do it. They, well, they're, 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 number one, they're expensive, the ones that work. You see these idiots on Instagram put them for 25, 30. Yeah, I've seen them, yeah. A decent stab vest for protection is anywhere between, starts at 400 quid and goes up to a grand. And they're not exactly a fashion statement, are they? No, they're bloody uncomfortable. Yeah. Difficult to wear. You ask anybody that wears a stab vest, they'll tell you the horrible things to wear. Okay. But they're, they're a necessary evil. Yeah. But you take that. That's my skin. So what you've got there is you've got what's called blunt force trauma. Yeah. So it hurts like hell. I'm probably the most stabbed person in the UK because it absolutely bloody hurts, I tell you. But what you're not getting is any cutting or penetration into your vital organs. Or if you do, you get a minimal cut that can be fixed. Yeah. So if someone says to slice across the arm or, you know, the back or something, it won't slash it. Oh, that's easy. That, that, that technology is really, really easy. But what we've got here is a composite of different materials and different layers. Because um, normally, okay. if, you, if you stretch your T-shirt and look at it in the light, you'll see the grid pattern. Yeah. Where you've got two fibres that cross like that, You've always got four points of entry where the, where the fibre sits over itself. Okay, okay, so yeah. yeah. Now that point finds that joint and just goes straight through. It goes through like butter. Because mm. it's got a joint. So it, it, the point's always got a place to go, you see. So the trick that we've used is we've used fibres that are stronger than steel at a molecular level. Okay. Um, with a mix of different types of fibres that go through that are difficult to cut. And instead of being woven in a flat weft and way, these are woven in a 3D mesh. So there's no 
um, pattern to them. It's all chaos theory. Oh, so so when, yeah, when the knife goes in, they don't know where it's good. There's things blocking it left, right and centre sort of thing. So if you look on our website under a microscope, you'll see what I'm talking about. But I did have a little look, yeah, and there was just loads of squiggly lines everywhere. <laughs> so the first one is massive holes. You can actually see them. Yeah. Where, where the fibres are. Yeah. The second one is the squiggly lines. And that's, that's actually, everything's interfangled and intermeshed using very, very heavyweight fibres. Um, but the net result is that we make a cloth. Yeah. So that cloth gets sewn um, into the garments that we manufacture and they literally become, yeah, they're thicker, yes, they're heavier, of course, yeah. this is the word compromise, yeah. um, but they're very, very wearable. And if you were wearing one today, um, I guarantee you've worn over jackets on, you wouldn't notice. You wouldn't notice. You know, everything's movable. So as well as the actual clothing itself, you also then put cloth underneath the clothing to, well, stitch it to it as well. Well, they, they, these are normal clothes. So what so we do is, um, our hoodies, for instance, so the outer side of the hoodie is the fleece. Yeah. The inner core is, is, there are two types of skin. Okay. So this is double core, you can see this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I get you there, it's the middle bit, yeah. So this is double core for the torso. Yeah. Which is slightly heavier, but because the, the, the torso doesn't move like that, the mm. torso only moves in the twists. Yeah. But then we have a single core that goes in the arms and legs. Yeah. So the single core is stab resistant, not as much as the outer core, but I'll sac happily sacrifice a, a cut or a stab to an arm. Yeah. To get the guy to hospital to be repaired. We're into the word compromise again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But it's very, very, very stab resistant, but you can go at this with a machete and not cut it. So if somebody came at me with a machete on the arm like that, I'd happily stand there all day and I'll send you some videos and show you of me actually wearing a jacket. So they don't actually use the term staff proof because it's impossible. But to me, that seems like it's a massive lifesaver that if you're saying that you can't be slashed with it, it is, it's not totally proof, but it is almost staff proof because it won't go through and it, you can't be slashed with it. Well, when, when you look at these things uh, uh, from a design perspective, you write yourself a brief and say, right, so what's the job? Yeah. So the job is to get you home alive. Yeah, of course. So do, all right. So for me, taking an arm off, losing two or three pints of blood. I'll accept all of that for you not to be in a body bag. Yeah, yeah. That's where I started. And it's horrible because you say, oh, are you insane? Actually, no, I'm being practical here. Yeah, it is practical, rather than losing a life. Yeah, because what I showed you tonight, I do that to myself without this stuff. I stab myself and I'm dead in three minutes. So everything I'm talking about from that point is positive as I see it. And you have to think about the time, don't you? The time from when someone gets stabbed to when someone dies is a very short amount of time. And it, it's about preventing that, that death, ultimately. Yeah. You know, you, we are not going to prevent knife crime, so we need to more start focusing on saving lives and how we can prevent death rather than preventing that, knife crime. That, that, that's exactly where we start. So our, our, our job is to save the life. The damage that goes along with that, as long as it can be dealt with, for me, that is a million percent improvement over a funeral. Yeah, of course. I'll accept anything as long as the kid's still breathing. Yeah, of course. Have you had any stories where someone has wore the clothing and someone that have been attacked with a knife? Not as yet, no, because it's very, very new. So it's, it's only really just starting to launch back in the last year. Oh, okay then. Um, but if, if you look at, um, if you've seen our Instagram and then you've seen our Facebook stuff, you'll see all the demos. Yeah. And all those demos are me actually wearing the clothes. People go, you insane. Well, no, because I developed it. And I've got you've got to trust brand. in your own brand, haven't you? If you can't trust in it, you can't expect anybody else to trust it. Exactly. You know, so, so what we do, so we've, we've done this and we've put in, into hoodies and joggers and casual puffer jackets and snoods and scarves mm. so that these young people have a choice. We're not a fashion brand, so we just give them almost this blank canvas of garments and go, right. So if someone comes to stab you in the back, hopefully you get home. It's not perfect. There's a very there's a good chance you're going to get damaged. There's a good yeah. chance that, you know, you, you, it may not work in some cases. I can't tell you who's going to swing the knife or what's going to do, but I can mm. show you on lots of occasions, the work that we've done to try and mitigate it to the best we can using modern technology. Of course, so yes. For young people, it's a not-for-profit initiative. We've got the cost down as much as possible through investing all of our own money in this, so we don't make money out of it. Mm. We've hard the price of the product to make it accessible to people so they can afford it. You know, for a, for a hoodie, we're now hand-manufacturing these things in low volume for the, for the price of a mid-range Nike hoodie. Right, yeah, um, yeah. And that's what I admire about it. You know, it's not it's not a money spinner, it's not to make money, it is to save lives. And you can't create a hoodie and then say cost 100 and 150 pounds for it because all young people are gonna think, well, I can't afford to wear that. Well, precisely, but you but you've got you've got stuff out there that these four, five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred quid are gone. Yeah. yeah. Um and I and I get that because that's a specialist thing for specialist people that you know, hiring stuff that people really need it. But yeah. If I think about the, you know, the young 14-year-old kid in Leicester a few weeks ago that was, that was stabbed completely innocently, if he had one of my hoodies on, there's a very good chance that, yes, he would have been hit, but he'd have been fine. 
Borough Market 2017. Those three guys out there went out, out with kitchen knives and took all those lives. Security people yeah. wearing, wearing what I've shown you tonight, but they dealt, dealt with that in five minutes. That is a child's play. Yeah, that would have yeah. gone away. Mm. <clears throat> and, and this is where I'm coming from because the security range that we do actually is very, very different because that, put, that puts you on the offensive. Yeah. Because that means a trained professional wearing my garments, my, I've got a special range of gloves for these guys as well. Oh, okay. Step into a knife attack. Yeah. So you actually step in and you take control of it. It's, it, it terrifies a knife carrier because, of course, only cowards carry knives. Fact. Yeah, and that if someone steps in and steps to them, they're going to think, oh, wow, I've got a knife yeah. and you've still come at me and they'll probably end up dropping it. Well, this is the thing. That turns a very small man into a very big man. Yeah, of course. What happens if that doesn't work? Now, when you're into the psychological part of the exercise. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. all of a sudden, the small man, regardless of what he was, he is still a coward. Because mm. if you carry this, you ain't a big man. Because a big man don't need a knife. No, exactly that, yeah. You know, I, I come from a history of, of, you know, having friends working with doors years ago, doing loads of different stuff. And you'd be insulted if you had to carry that because you'd be a pussy. Yeah, you would, yeah. You so you used to be classed as like tool merchants and stuff like that, didn't they? You know, with the streets, like, you're a tool merchant, what do you need a tool for? Yeah, exactly, precisely. So, but these days, you've got, you've got these little guys who are true pussies and cowards. Yeah. Absolutely through and through. So they're carrying some jabbing people with impunity, not realising what they're doing. It's just ignorance and stupidity. Yeah. Mm. Um, but they don't know that, you see. So I don't hold them to blame because they're not going out to murder with that weapon. They're going out, out to settle beef mm. because they don't understand the consequences of their actions. Yes, it shouldn't happen, but you, you know, don't ever judge anybody until you walk a mile in their shoes. Yeah. And you hear some of the stories from, from, the, from these young people on the streets. You know, these are, they're growing up in horrific, horrific um, cultural issues. They've yeah. got no opportunities, they've got no support, they've got no infrastructure, very little family engagement, mm. <clears throat> their lives are at risk, they've got no money, mm. you know, everything's stacked against them and there's nowhere for them to go, there's no, no support structure, and this yeah. is why society's failed them. Yeah, definitely, yeah, it has, and they, all they have to do is go out onto the streets, you yeah. know, there's, there's no youth hub, there's no provisions, there's no funding for it, and especially during lockdown as well, it's sort of, you know, if they do come from backgrounds where parents can't control them, they're just going to go out with a knife, and I think when people say, you know, the parents should have more control, how are you going to stop a 14, 15 year old lad walking out of the door with a knife every single day, or stop him from buying one from your local Asda? Part of the problem if you've got a 14 or 15 year old boy is, is that a lot of the times it's coming from a single parent family because yeah. there's an unfortunate, um, really unfortunate part of society where you have baby mums. Mm, One yeah. guy's got three or four children by three or four different mums. Mm. Sweeping generalisation, no colour issues at all, but yeah. sweeping generalisation, mum's left to bring the kids up. She's working hard either on benefits, trying to look after a single parent family, doing her best. Yeah. No fatherly figure, which is really important for some of these young people, that they need a fatherly figure to turn to. So they gravitate towards the wrong people, which are these groups of people that they, that they then in, <coughs> imprint on and they want to be the big man in this group. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. But that becomes their familial learning hub, for want of a better word. Mm. And they just sucked into it, because where else do they go? Do they wander the streets on their own, which yeah. makes them vulnerable? Mm. Or do they try and score street credits and get in with the right people to make them feel safe? Ipso facto, you've got prideful stuff that goes on there. You want to work your way, you want to become the big man, because that's really all you can see. Yeah, that's you exactly yeah. Promotion at work. They want the promotion through through the ranks. Yeah. I was speaking to a young person the other day and it made me feel quite old, bearing in mind I'm 28. And they said, Have you ever heard about points? And I said, what do you mean points? And they said, it's called scoring points. Yeah. And straight away, I knew what she meant. And she was basically saying, that's what they do, both girls and lads. It's about scoring points. So if someone does something to one of their group of friends, they need to score a point back. And if they don't score a point back, they're, they're going to be seen as the pussies. Yeah. And I mean, this was a 13-year-old that says this to me. And I thought, 13 years old, talking about scoring points. And she told me about an issue where she was listening to someone else's song from a different postcode. And then this other lad started going, what are you listening to him for from a different postcode? She said, I was only listening to song and I thought it, it, it starts from there that could end up in a really really bad situation just that because of point scoring ends yeah. in death that, 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 that conversation <laughs> ends up that poor young lad outside the Victoria Centre a few weeks ago on the pavement bleeding out not yeah. for no fault of his own and his family are now in absolute tatters and this was a kid who was on the up by the way he was going to do good yeah yeah um, you know I can tell you a story uh, that leads into this that a young guy from the south that I spoke to 16 years old Straight A student, GCSEs, the works, broken home, sleeping on his, on his mate's sofa. Yeah. So he was at college. Um, he was going to want to become a bookkeeper and then an accountant. Fantastic. Got all the results, got all the course uh -huh. thing. Mates turned around to him and went, what's the point? 
you haven't got an address, so you can't fill the forms and you can't get a post, you can't get a bank account. You can do all that work, it's just completely worthless. They got into his head, he, he gave it up, he's doing a three year stint. That's that a valuable, super dear. Yeah, but that, that's a young kid that if I could have spoken to him at that point in time and gone, what yeah. a load of rubbish. Yeah. I'll fill in the forms for you. I'll get you a yeah. post box. Yeah. It'll, cost, it'll cost a pound and we'll get a PO box. Yeah. Get the post office. Everything will be sorted. There's no drama. You can get a bank account. That's absolutely fine. Just study yeah. away. Yeah. That was the point in life where, where we lost that kid's society. To society. And that's exactly the problem. It was too. And there's society. nothing to catch him. You know? so, so people look at what we do. And I've been accused of profiteering from stabbing and all that. You'll have to edit this bollocks. <laughs> yeah. No worries. But, you know, what, what we do is, is that we're out to try and save kids' lives to then get a chance to get in their heads and go, no, 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 you know, that's not what we do. So we've got, we've got a, um, a Team Spark thing on a website that we put a password in because we want to engage personally with anyone that's in Team Spark. I noticed that earlier. I tried to click on it and I thought, okay, I don't have access. Yeah, well, just drop, drop Monday, you know, until log you in. Because yeah. um, in there it is, uh, the, I mean, the page goes on for hours and hours and hours, but it's resource links for broken parenting, alcoholism, risk, um, save the children, all kinds of stuff. So if anyone's got issues with depression or um, gang behavior or knife crime or police or legal advice, there's huge amounts of resources in there because Mrs. Spartan is a trained counselor. So she's got access oh. to all of the resources that these yeah. people use. That's so we've true. got links up there for every, everybody to, you know, to help. And then we've also got a section that says, look, if you can't find the help that you want or you, you want to ask a question and you feel too stupid, contact us and we'll mentor you through it and we'll find the information for you and we'll give you the best advice that we can yeah yeah and i think that's the problem is today you know i know you need to talk about it to raise awareness but it's about actually doing something doing something for them and doing something to help them and i remember being a young person once and you just want someone to listen to you you just want someone to help you and then when they don't you just rebel you're well, actually just, doing something about it i actually had the conversation with one of our ambassadors and i said look i need you to sort, sort out the interface for me because I'm not relevant. No one's going to want a, a white middle-aged guy from, from the Shires coming and talking <laughs> to them at a lecture about knife crime and, and how we can make changes. And he went, yeah. you could be more wrong. Mm. He says, your council house upbringing, the fact you've done it all yourself and the fact you've done an international business, is they want to do what you've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you speak from life experience. Exactly. He said, he said you are actually the ideal person. He said, forget Storms, you're only of other people. That's <laughs> yeah. aspirational. He said, they want to, to listen to somebody real. He says, and you're real. Because I'm, I'm brutal with them. Yeah. I'm absolutely brutal because these kids are smart. Yeah, they are. Yeah, conniving. Yeah. Any kind of politics or any, any kind of flowery language or any, any, any kind of manoeuvring with them, they smell it straight away. So I am literally straight down the line. And I think he instills that respect as well, you know, rather than just pussyfooting around them, if you're being straight and blunt and up and sort of upfront with them, it, they also get that respect for you as well. Then they do start listening to you. Totally. And, and they, but they, the important thing, Sophie, is that they open up because what we've got to do as a society is listen to them. Yeah. It's really important <coughs> that their voice is heard. Mm. So this is where we start. We ain't, ain't going to please this out. We ain't going to do it with government policy. No, definitely not. This is a cultural change at foundation roots level that's going to have to happen. Yeah. It's going to only be, happen from when it's been led by the community because these people won't do it. So what we, we've committed to as part of the foundation that we're, we're working towards is that any profits or any money that we make from the brand, we're going to reinvest in communities. Yeah. Going to do, so we're going to put a Spartan community place in place where somebody's got somewhere to go. It's a safe space of sanity and protection. Yeah. Safety where you can go. There's no beef, there's no drugs, there's no knives, no weapons, none of that. You, if you want help, you come. If not, adios, bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. Me and my partner was on about this yesterday, and I says to him, I think if there was enough community hubs everywhere, and, you know, you had music studios, you know, you had maybe podcast studios, all these different things, they would go there, and they'd, they'd really enjoy it. If they could just do these little things, they would really enjoy it. You know, these are smart, smart, smart kids, and, and the important thing with these guys is that, if they can survive using street smarts and doing deals and making what, what little money they can, imagine what these kids could do in business. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, I love them are very much business-minded and money-minded. I ain't being funny, but if you're, if you're going to run a, run a drugs gang, you've got to be pretty sharp with your numbers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, and again, I'm talking realities. The, the, this is the reality. So if, mm. if you can run a distribution <coughs> network for drugs, buy them and sell them, make the profits and make sure everything's done securely, then yeah. you're a smart cookie and you're sharp. Yeah, and why not sort of the transferable skills, aren't they, so to speak? So why not put them somewhere to good use? Well, I'm very unpopular for saying it, but they are transferable skills. And, in fact, they're a reality of our society. Yeah. So what we need to do is start accepting that and start dealing with that as a problem and a reality. Yeah, of course.
because you, you, ain't, you ain't gonna cure drugs neither. So, so again, yeah. what we've got to start doing is start talking real about them and going, okay, you know, let's accept that they are there. How do we minimize the effect they have on society? Mm, of course, and it's sort of getting through to the people that are utilizing sort of drugs and knives and getting through to them. <laughs> One of my worries was um, with me at work, sort of, you know, you see, you do see a lot of antisocial behaviour and stuff. And while, while I was at work, I was reading through policies, I just, you know, the government legislation. And I noticed on there that the government, well, sorry, the law states that it is legal to carry a knife that is up to 3.5 inches in public. And if you was to phone them and report this, they won't, they can't actually do anything about it. So I think the laws, you know, not to sort of scrutinise the law and the government, because, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly that trained myself, but how can you put a law in place to say that you can carry a knife as up to 3.5 inches when we're in a knife crime epidemic at the moment? It's nonsensical. Um, again, part, part of the problem is it's a little bit like the COVID restriction. It's an imperfect world. Yeah. yeah. So if they say you can't carry a knife, then what does that do to every gamekeeper or sparky or tool tradesman that actually needs and needs a knife as part of what they do? Yeah. So the, the, there's, there's always a balance to strike. <clears throat> and carrying something clearly, no one on the street needs that. No, no. I mean, you wouldn't. No, I mean, you wouldn't even use that to cut your bread and stuff with. I mean, come on. No, one that is to chop tree. That is the like. That's a hacker. That is to slosh not trees down, but you know, like wood. Well, that's what that one is. <sighs> I've seen videos of young people carrying them. Yep. Not that long ago, I remember seeing something on Facebook about it, and I thought it's nearly as big as you. Yep. Yep, and that thing will, will literally take a limb off. Um, and and you don't need them, but. Again, we, we, we're dealing with reality in an imperfect world. So all we can do is, is, is you know, I work in the 80-20 rule. Can we solve 80% of the problems and make a start? Because yeah. everybody's got these wonderful woolly ideas about, you know, roasting to goggles and clicking your fingers and we'll all be like Alice in Wonderland. Look at no. that. Yeah, no, it's not done. So look at the numbers and start where you can make a difference. And where you can make a difference is in society. Yeah, of course. Where did your passion come from? Because I can tell this was so much more than just creating Spartan clothing. You've got a real passion and knowledge and understanding for this. Well, do you know, do you know what, Sophie? It, I started out being completely ignorant. I'll be honest with you. I was probably, what, from what I know now, a horrifically bigoted opinion. Yeah. You know, put these kids in jail. What are they doing on the streets? Lock them up. Mm. You know, they need to have hard. I was one of the people that said parenting. Sort of, total, total ignorance. Yeah. But luckily what I did was I wanted to understand my audience because I'm a, I'm a product designer and engineer. So what I need to understand is what my brief is and who, yeah. who's going to be wearing and using what I'm trying to develop. Hmm. And I did that through some very, very, very inspiring people who are from the streets, have been in trouble with knife crime themselves. One guy we worked has been stabbed 18 times. You know, I've dealt with people who've done two and a half years stint for um, murder. Yeah. Um, you know, so... These are people who have made changes and want yeah. to make changes. So these are my guides. And, yeah. and when they led me to the source, which is the, these people that are actually the people we're talking about, yeah. and I got to speak to them face to face, I came to understand the problem. And I came to understand the societal and the cultural problems behind all this. Mm. And I suppose it's easy to make a jacket that can stop a knife in my world. <coughs> what we need to do is we need to, we need to actually take, take these away. Yeah. And I became incredibly passionate once I started understanding the problem because these people need help, they need support, there needs to be a cultural shift that, yes. that actually gives them the opportunities that we should be giving them in this country. Mm. You know, we're giving more money to foreign countries than we are looking after ourselves. For me, it's criminal. Yeah, yeah, especially when there's not even youth hubs. I mean, there was one around the corner from my house before. I used to go there and it's it, it's just not being used. And I just think, what what is it going to take just to let us open it and put, you know, a football table in there and, you know, a little music studio? Well, just, why can't you just give us, it's going to cost about two or three grand. I'm not being funny, but we give foreign aid to Russia and China. And India, India's got a frigging space um, race and they've got an, um, an astronaut program. They've got nuclear weapons. And we're giving them money. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we fund a lot of arms, don't we, as well? And I'm like, what on, the, you know, and this, and this is just stuff for me that is completely nuts. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a campaigner, I'm not on a white horse, I'm, I'm just a realist. Yeah. It appears to be at a unique place in time and in a unique position where people will talk to me. Mm. Um, I'm at a point where I'm not, not making money from it, so I'm, I'm purely driven by the fact I want to save a life. Yeah. just need that one person to ring, ring, one mum to ring me up one day and go, you know what? your men's alive because of what you did. And for me, I've always said to the wife, that, that, won't, that won't make the job done. That's worth it. 
that's the whole point in it you know you don't just wake up one day and start making stab resistant clothes just to profit do yeah you don't it's no one no one would do that that's passion that's true passion and that is wanting to save a life well, this is it. And there's a moral ob obligation to the entire thing as well, because selfishly, as I was looking after my own kids, selfishly, yeah. and I look, that's why this thing, the entire thing started. Can I make a jacket and a hoodie that if someone comes and stabs them, it's not? I think that's very understandable and very reasonable, to be fair. Yeah, well, you know, I was in a fairly unique position to do that at the time, and I had mm. the, the tools and the resources. Mm. And that then led us on to this two year journey where I think if you understand what the root cause of the issue is, then you also have a moral obligation to try and do something about it. Yeah. You know, I come from a council house upbringing in a mining village. We had yeah. literally nothing when, when we were young. Still got most of it left, actually, but we started out. With, and I've you know, built an international business, and I've been very, very, very fortunate. I've lived in the Far East. I travel to Hong Kong. I've got business in Hong Kong. I've got business in China. Um, and life's been very good to me because I've worked hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... I feel morally obliged that if, if I can pass on some of that knowledge and some of that inspiration to people who are in actually my position, different, in, but in the same start position in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, and if they, if they can have that spot, because if I can do it, they can do it. Absolutely. But, yeah. but you inspire me, and I'm not technically a young person that's out on the streets, and I find you inspiring, you know. It's, you just want to make that change and help other people make that change. Although, although I want to say so, because, because at, at some point, somebody's got to put their hand up and be counted. And I'm yeah. saying things that are deeply unpopular, but are real. Um, and it's keeping it real, that's the main point, and a lot of people like that. Do you know, I've been amazed, um, the BBC in Leicester, they, they were after the Young Kid stand, they did a radio interview and I was invited on. Yeah. And the um, interviewer was very, very anti what I was trying to do, because of course they were saying, well, you're empowering these kids and, and if it comes to the other side, so you're giving them protection. So they feel as though they can do more and they're going to stab somebody because they can't get stabbed themselves. It's just a pessimistic way of looking at a really good thing. Well, it's two, two sides of the same coin. You know, the glass is half full, glass is half empty. Yeah, and yeah. They, they got callers after I came off there. And I felt a little bit ambushed, actually. And the callers came on there and there were mums and grandmas and uncles. <sighs> and I'm thinking, here we go. <laughs> and you know what? To a caller, every single one of them was supportive because he said to them, would you pay £150 for a hoodie? So that's protective hoodie to stop your thing um your grandson getting stabbed and this grandma went drop of a hat absolutely drop of a hat tomorrow if thought it would make them safe yeah yeah of course you, you would yeah you could almost hear the astonishment in the interviewer's voice going oh because he was expecting and i was expecting a different answer actually you know people you're sat there thinking oh no oh no here we go and and that was really refreshing because you know that that gave us a big a big buzz because it, it told us what we were doing was was right and it was hitting the right chord and all we've got to do is try and make people aware that it's there. You know, I'm chasing I'm chasing champions like Stormzy, for instance. Yeah. That's yeah. the very, very first garment we wore, and that was modelled on the Stormzy vest we wore. I've seen that in the background, and I wondered what the uh, story was behind it. Yeah, so Bank, Bank, Banksy did a stab vest for Stormzy on, on his live set. Oh, yeah. I remember him wearing it. Yeah, so we, we started the development, and, and that's the very first garment that we made. So I, I bought just a cheap um, gilet off uh, Boo or somewhere. Yeah. And we, we modified it and put the so all this is this is the, the stab resistant material that's on it. I like yeah. that. I actually like, I'll probably wear that myself to be honest you know with you. People are offering me money for it. It's really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. I like it. It's really cool and it's completely stab resistant because it, it's completely layered up. Um, and that was one of the first garments you made. That's the very first one. The very first one. When did you make that? Oh god, that was it must be what, 18 months ago now. Oh wow. So it's been going for a while then. Well, no, sorry, this one was made middle of last year, actually, once we got the fabric developed to a point yeah. where we could make one, because this, this is Generation 1 fabric. Oh, okay. It's really thick. So if you look at where we started, you know, this is this is the thickness of that. Yeah. And look at where we are now. Oh, wow. So there's literally an evolution process that's happened there with your garment? We've had to put a huge amount of time and a huge amount of money into it to, yeah. to get this far. Um so you do make clothes for all styles then, because of course you can't just make one set clothes because everyone likes different clothing. So as you say in the background, you know, you've got a sort of a union jack July there. We make hoodies, streetwear, security wear, gym wear. Is it going to sort of carry on and on? Um, probably. We're, we're going to be very limited to what we do. I'll be honest with you, Sophie. We're, we're not a fashion brand. I, I don't want to yeah. tell people what to wear. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> that middle-aged man is not going to be, be relevant when it comes to fashion, put it that way. Wear a leather jacket and some boots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm last of the swingers. <laughs> but but we, 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 we actually do have a service that we offer that's called Bespoke. So if you've got a Canada Goose or a Montclair jacket, mm. you send it to me, I'll send it to our tailors and I'll skin it for you, which means that your, your, your fashion will come back to you and it'll be absolutely pucking. That's amazing, that is. I didn't know that you'd done that. 
So you could just literally send, say if someone's got a younger a younger kid, they could just send you all their clothes and say, make them all stab proof and send them back. And the kids probably would never know. Stab resistant, stab sorry. Stab resistant. This is a pair of, so this is a pair of joggers that, that were bought. Yeah. So these are stab and slash proof. So all we've done is our tailors. You would never know. Yeah. Our tailors have skinned them. You see that? Oh, wow. So that's a gen, general material. So, so they, it could they, just be anything, night tracks, so as you say, anything, Montclair jackets, kind of de gooses, anything you can yeah. well, that, 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 That's a standard pair of pants from somewhere like Boo or ASOS. That is absolutely, I think so many more people need to hear about this as well. That's a standard puffer jacket that I bought online. And that's, oh, a, wow. that's a gen one liner. That actually looks really nice as well. Somebody's offered me nearly grand for this. It's, it'd be worth it though, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. So what you've got there is, you've got me wearing a puffer jacket. And you wouldn't, yeah? And I've not made this puffer jacket. All I've done is I've got a very, very, very talented Ukrainian tailor, man and wife team. And she's an absolute genius, this lady. Um, and, she, and she actually deconstructs garments and puts them back together, together without, without material inside them. So she just takes everything out of the coat and puts the stab-resistant material into the... I think so many more people need to hear about this and I'm going to do my best to spread the word about this because I do think on the streets these days, I know I've got friends myself that worry for where, when their kids go out and I just think that just wearing that, it just gives them that little bit of peace of mind. If something does happen, they're protected. Good. You ready? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That is amazing. That is that's that is really good. Well, that kind of shows you where we are. That's good, isn't it? I think you've done. I think I might purchase some myself just just to promote <laughs> them for promote them for you. No, I honestly got to do. It's a very innovative and it's a very clever idea that you've done there. And I don't know any. As I said to you before, I don't know anybody that has created clothing like that. It's a, it's a big challenge. You, you go, if you go online and you, you, you type stab and slash resistant, you find loads and loads of people that have got cut-proof cut clothing. Cut-proof, not very, stab resistant, cut-proof. Yeah, slash-proof, cut-proof. They're very, very, very clever in the words that they use because doing something like that is easy. I mean, this, 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 this is a standard material that, is, that we've developed into gloves. Yeah. It's cut-proof. So I can, I can put a glove on. This is part of the system used for security. Because imagine a security jacket that's very heavily protected. Yeah. A scarf that you can't cut your neck. Mm. And gloves that you say you can't cut your hand. All of a sudden, somebody comes towards you for a knife. All you need is grab it out of the hand like that. And just put it out of the hand. Um, oh, wow. So you could just grab it. It's, 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 it's a form of self-defense wearing them gloves, then. Yeah, well, but the gloves only work with the system, you see, because, because of course, you, what you don't want to do is leave yourself impervious. Because what you do is grab the knife and then, and then pull it into you. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Just, just try and hold it away. Yeah, so if you if you step into it and pull it into yourself like this, yeah, you're then face to face with your attacker, and you watch their, their what's it shrivel when that happens. Yeah, and the blood drying out of their face, and they will just be like, oh wow, what? I can't believe that. That is amazing. In an anticlimax kind of way, that is, that is amazing. So do you do do you training on this? Because I think that. I mean, it's very much open my eyes to it. Do you do training where, you know, YouTube videos, or you've not thought about going into sort of training with this? Yeah, well, there are, there are two facets to it. So we have, we have um, one of our ambassadors who's come on in the last few weeks is a close protection um, operative. So yeah. uh, he's a formal ex-army close protection guy who works with the likes of footballers, international people. He, he has um, foreign, his last task when he was away in the Philippines, yeah. looks after the, the Saudi um, oil people in Russia and that type of thing. Okay. Um, so he is one of the ambassadors that we use because this this is a specialised circuit where mm. these people know each other. Yeah. Those mm. people advertise this rubbish all the time, and they and they get it in like Amazon's. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 So we, we've we've developed a relationship with Stuart where he talks to all of these people about it, and we've actually um, at the moment we are talking um, to an Australian company based in Melbourne, who are an international protective agency. Okay, they have a, quite a high north crime rate over there as well, don't they? There's a lot of it, you know, people don't realise this, but with the, with the gold and jewels um, and the minerals coming out of Australia, there's a very, very high monetary value to the type of people that are travelling there. Oh, okay. So it's all very, very hush, 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 hush on the circuit. But of course, 
this type of thing from a covert perspective is a game changer because again instead of going defensive if, if there is an attack towards these people you're on the offensive which completely changes things so working with with, with cps yeah and um and close protection people we can develop a training regimen that uses our system to actually you know go on the offensive when this happens rather than having to walk away from it yeah yeah security people dormant and things like that somebody pulls a knife on a dormant what are you going to do you can't yeah back away yeah yeah you, you can't expect anybody to stand there in that situation anybody you can be the hardest strongest tallest biggest person ever you can't expect someone to stand there and go against a knife i did a demonstration with a professional security company and, and one of the guys there is, is actually one of the sia consult consultants for training yeah um and they came in and they've, they've been told about it and they're a bit, like, oh, a bit negative you know we've seen this before and after an hour after we'd left um i'd saw him again a couple of days later and i said to james james so what did you guys think after I'd walked out and left you the other day? He said, we actually sat there for about 20 minutes looking at each other. So the three of us. I'm going to feel like that myself. I'm just going to sit there. Uh, we, we sat there in quiet. And after 20 minutes, one of us said, what did we actually just see? Yeah, especially if you stood there with the coats, like stabbing, like, look, it don't go through. It's kind of like, wow. Well, I've got a very, very big, fit, heavily tattooed, close protection officer with, with this knife in his hand. Mm. And I just said, just, just come towards me. And I grabbed the knife, step into it and put it through in the side. And all of a sudden, it, it completely changes the rules of engagement, you see. Yeah, yeah. So from, from that perspective, when it comes to, you know, things like Borough Market yeah. in a, a, a terrorist attack, if, if we can get these things into the mainstream where, where because these the security professionals need protection as well. Yeah, of course. These people get stabbed. Mm. Police get stabbed and cut all the time because they're, they're wearing, for me, fairly inferior gear. Yeah, yeah. You know, so what we're doing at the moment is we've put an application to Innovate UK to develop the professional range further because there's so much more we can do. Mm. Um, you know, so what we're looking to do is invest a huge amount of money in the next stage of materials development because I think we can make these not stab proof, but perform like stab vests. I yeah. truly believe we can do that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Have you thought about maybe going and approaching sort of big retailers and sort of putting the, putting it to them? Because as much as you're not a fashion brand and it's not for profit, I think, you know, if you can walk into JD and see a tracksuit there that is stab resistant, a lot of people will probably block up a car. It won't be the name anymore. It'll be what it does and the effectiveness of wearing the tracksuit. Yeah, no, we, we, we have thought about it, so I'll, I'll be honest with you, but we're being very, very, very careful in actually mm. the, the baby steps that we take. Yeah. <clears throat> because what we don't want this thing to do, we don't want this thing to accelerate into a profit-making organisation, because the moment it does that, you've lost it. Yeah, of course, it's not about that, I get that. No, no this, is a, this is about the core credentials, because if we can use this as the lever that allows us to reach a community level, that allows us to communicate, mm. and there ain't no way we're doing that through, through because, because JD and um, Sports Direct would try and drive sales. Of course, yeah, that's what it would be. And yeah, it's about getting to them, isn't it? And getting to the root cause. It is. So it's, it's a very, very difficult balance and a very fine line that we're, that we're trying to tread. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love nothing more than to get in there because the more you get out there, the more chance you have of protection. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that, you know, the more you get out there, the more people want to look at who you are and what you do and think, oh, look, okay, this is this is something good. This is something to go forward with. Yeah, but I, what, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep control of, of, of the message as well, that the message isn't about the clothing. This is a vehicle for save, for saving lives. It's mm. all it is. Yeah. Um, it's just the fact that, that, that we've identified, all right, so how do you save a life or make a knife irrelevant? That's the start. Yeah, yeah. And by having slash proof clothing and stop-resistant uh, clothing, sorry, it's making it irrelevant. Well, this is a, I did a demo with a guy um, who'd used a knife before, and, and, and I backed him up against all that, and I said, you know what I'm gonna do now? He said, well, you're now gonna you know, beat the shit out of me. Right? Mm. No, I'm actually, and I'm gonna engage it, and I'm gonna talk to you. Mm, yeah. Because, because I can. Mm. It's that cataclysmic point that you're about to step over when two people are stabbing each other. Mm. You can go, really? No, let's just take one step back from the brink yeah, and go, yeah, yeah. Is, is a life actually worth what we're about to do? And that actually, not, no. Yeah, 99% of the time, everybody will turn and go, well, no. Yeah. Well, I'm showing them. I've got, I'll send you a video we've done today that we I went to the butchers and bought half a pig today. Mm. Oh, I'm sick of beating about the bush. Yeah. So what we've done is we've stabbed the garments and then stabbing knives into, into flesh because pig flesh is the closest thing to human flesh you can get. Okay. And it's gonna it, it's horrible to watch. But if, if, it, if one person sees that and thinks, my God, that was easy. Yeah, if you send that over to me, I will get that promoted on the radios, on the website, on the Facebook page. It's, I think people need to see that, definitely. Yeah, honestly, it, it, it is horrific how, and I wish we could do this face to face so I could show you, because yeah. I will put a knife in your hand and make you stab ballistic gel or a piece of flesh, and I guarantee you'll go grey. 
because you will not believe how simple it is for somebody of your size and strength to kill someone. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because I think, yeah. Like doing a hot knife through butter. Yeah. Stabbing a piece of flesh is one of the most sickening things in food. I couldn't, no, I couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine doing that. I just, it's not something I could ever physically imagine myself doing. It's just yeah, sickening, I just say it's sickening. So there's no resistance. There is no resistance whatsoever. And the feeling as that knife slides into flesh is like nothing you've seen. And everyone that does it, normally they stab the knife straight through the meat because mm. they're expecting it to be tough. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what I showed you, showed you there earlier, that's a killing blow. Yeah. Mm. That, that's it. In a piece of meat, that'll go through up to there. Just easily as well, just slide straight in. You won't even feel it. That's a shame, that is. So where can we find your clothes? Let us know where can we find your clothes, your Instagram, your yeah, website. No, yeah, so what we've got is spartanclothing.co.uk is the website. Yeah. Online shop on there as well. Um, Team Spartan for anybody that needs help or support is on there. Um, at Official Spartan Clothing is our handle on Instagram and Facebook. We're on Twitter, but we don't do very much. We're not going to get better at it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you do a lot of these videos with the, you know, with the pig and even with the cushion and stuff, I think it, I think it would raise so much awareness. I really do. Yeah, well, there's, there's tons of stuff out there. If you have a look at the work that we've done, and we're associated with a guy um, in North London called Farron Alex Paul, who does Faz Amnesty. Yeah. Inspiring guy, goes actually goes and takes knives off the streets and takes them to the police station. Mm -hmm. So if anybody wants to give a knife up confidentially, he'll go and get it. Okay. He takes knives off the street, takes guns off the street, um, and he walks into the police station and, and hands them over. Just get a big bag of stuff, like, there you go. You'd, you'd be amazed, what, you'd be absolutely astonished what he takes off the street. You know, At so least he's doing something good. Well, we are, you know, and anything that can help get one of these off, um, you have this potential that it's not going to take somebody's life. Yeah, and that's the aim, isn't it, to save a life and to prevent it. Well, I am going to end that there. That is Craig. Craig, thank you very much for coming on with us. Nice to meet you. I'm going to go straight into a song now. Thank you, guys. And again, thank you to Craig for agreeing to be one of my guests. If any of you did miss any of the podcast, you can find it on our Switch Radio Mixcloud. I'll also be uploading the full episode to my Spotify and also a video copy on YouTube so you can see the demonstrations that I always saw myself during the interview. And again, again thank you, you very Craig, much for coming very to the show. <laughs> and it's <laughs> nice to see <clears throat> someone out there is trying to and again, make a thank change you to Craig by creating something. Massive thank you to Craig. And thank you to you all for listening. If any of you did miss any of the podcast, you can find it on our Switch Radio Mixcloud. I'll also be uploading the full episode to my Spotify and also a video copy on YouTube so you can see the demonstrations that I always saw myself during the interview. Again, it was very insightful and very eye-opening. And it's nice to see that someone out there is trying to actually make a change by creating something. Um, so again, massive thank you to Craig and thank you to you all for listening.